The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Audio Football Club, in association with Tag Heuer, the official timekeeper of the Premier League. Hello there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, upsets, drama, controversy, excitement, scraps of paper tucked into shorts, all in the FA Cup. And to think, not so long ago, people were calling for the abolishment of the tournament, plus burning all of the archive video footage and lifetime prison sentences for anyone found making a foil trophy. We talk shocks for West Ham as they are thrashed by plucky upstarts AFC Wimbledon, ask if Marco Silva is a man living on borrowed time, and lament more sadness for Spurs, a club whose last encounter with silverware was asking for some new forks on an American preseason tour. Plus the lowdown on Thierry Henry's sacking and what to expect in the last four days of the always exciting January transfer window. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by the finest tactical mind the internet has to offer. It's JJ Bull. How are you, JJ? I'm good, Tom. I'm having a great time. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We did the Simpsons quiz together last night, did we not? We did, and we finished a very triumphant second. Yeah. yeah. I learned to draw Homer Simpson. (laughs) Congratulations. Who finished first? Oh, some losers. Did you guys hang out? (laughs) We we did last night, Nina. Thanks for inviting us. (laughs) How's your Simpsons knowledge? Really bad. <laughs> Not as good as your European football knowledge. A European football genius, Mina Rizuki, alongside JJ. What's happening, Mina? I think that's way too nice. But sure, um, I'm just like the mean one on this panel. I just criticise everything, but I'm <laughs> all right with that. <laughs> She's meaner than the other... Uh, I was going to say contestants, but it's not, it's not a game show. Do is it? I win a prize? Participants. <laughs> Finally, football news hyperbrain Matt Law is completing our lineup. How are you, Matt? Um, regretting I didn't do a pre-pod we actually oh no I followed you in oh no yeah. uh, well that would have been strange and so I might disappear sometime. I feel like our audience knows way too much about us now <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the sadness of Tottenham Hotspur shall we um, Harry Kane and Deli Alley out of their team the team themselves out of the FA Cup out of the League Cup in just a few days how do they get out of this tailspin is it a tailspin I, I think mean... so the thing is, is that there's loads of criticism about them having to sort of win a trophy. And I just, and, and Pochettino was saying about, he doesn't think that that's going to change them or make them develop or learn anything else. And I sort of agree with that because this is a side that, you know, isn't buying anyone in the market, that they they really do care about unity. They want to build themselves slowly. They want to be recognized as a force that always finishes in the top four. And they don't necessarily, you know, they have a lot going for them. But this season they've suffered because of injuries. They've suffered because they don't have the squad depth that other teams have. They don't have a stadium. And it doesn't really matter if they miss out on these things. As long as they're in the Champions League, as long as they're fighting, um, you know, to at least make second or top four, then it's enough because it's 70 million, right, if you make top four? I'm slightly with you on the trophy thing. I find the constant harping on about the need for trophies pretty tedious because I don't think that is how football works for fans. I think Tottenham fans, by and large, have had a lovely time over the past five years or so. What I think is also getting quite tedious now, though, is how Pochettino is is talking about it. What do you Um, make of that, Matt? I've sort of become brainwashed by Pochettino. I see him a lot (laughs) and I do feel like I've turned into a bit of a disciple. He's, it's he's, wearing thin though isn't it he's incredibly what I would say about him he's incredibly engaging so mm. I, I used to find this with Wenger before Wenger decided he hated the press when I first used to go to Arsenal 
you could sit with Wenger for 20 minutes and he could tell you anything and you'd come out agreeing with him. You know, you'd just everything. It was almost like he had that kind of snake charmer effect on you. And Pochettino's like that. He can make you kind of disbelieve everything you believed in the past and kind of buy into everything he's saying. Um, I mean, what I would say is last time they won a trophy, they won the League Cup and they nearly went down the next season and had to sack their manager and get in Harry Emmerich, which is which will prove Pochettino's theories in that it's a nice day out. The Carabao or the FA Cup is basically a nice day out and he's not there to just provide a nice day out. Um, but I do think losing that game yesterday and then coming out and just saying it's just for egos. If I was a fan who had gone to that game, I, I get, I totally get that if you're a Tottenham fan, you should be pretty grateful for, for what he's given you and they're great to watch and you've had a fantastic few years. But you'd still be annoyed to hear that um, because it, it, it does... It means something to the fans. Whether a day out is important for the overall thing of the club, it does mean something for the fans. The fans, you talk to Tottenham fans, and while they love Pochettino and they love what he's done and they've they've bought into everything about him, they would still love to win a trophy, even if it was the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Do you think yeah. it's a cultural thing? Like, do you yeah, think I it's... do, yeah. I think that's that's a good... I just wonder, because if it were, he was English, he yeah. would probably... Th- feel like this is a little bit more important but it, it almost seems like to Europeans that come in they're like this is like the equivalent of whatever you know that yeah. we have in Spain a Copa de Rey or a Supercopa or whatever it is and it, it's not really important it looks like a kind of business strategy to me I mean they have to look at this, your, your, your goals for the entire season how are you going to get them so they put a strong team into the Carabao Cup and then lost that didn't get over the line again Um then the FA Cups come straight off after that, so they have to put out a team uh, weakened, clearly, so the resting players trying to rotate them, but they don't have as big a squad, because if they get better players in, they're not going to start ahead of the likes of Ali and Kane, even though they're injured. And then uh, for the FA Cup, you've got, to, you've got to rest those players, because then you've got the Premier League game coming up on Wednesday, mm. so that's more important. Cause it's a tough one, it's Watford at home. Yeah, exactly, it's hard, so they want to make sure their players are further towards 100% fitness for that one, so they can really go for it, because it's going to be more difficult because it's a Premier League game and then they've got Champions League after that so if, if they played a full strength squad here that's going to be about three games in about a week and they would have a, a worse chance of winning any of them because they'd be depleted from energy wise Is this because they failed to sign anyone though? Wouldn't this lack of depth have been helped with well, a few more signings? Well this is the thing because like he said he's try- he wants to sign a striker but anyone who's good enough to spend money on doesn't want to go because they're not going to start ahead of Kane so why would you go to Spurs? You're always going to be the second choice Lorente was a great player at Swansea but it's just uh, you know, as always, I digress, uh, regress, not digress. Uh, at Spurs and can't get into the team now. Who are they going to buy? There's uh, uh, Yuri Tielemans is linked today with going to Leicester. Possibly he'd be <laughs> great. He fits the right age gap for them. I don't know what his mentality is like. I've not. Uh, there are players they could have bought though. I mean, it's always easy with hindsight. Yeah, but but in- Brooks Brooks at Bournemouth looks like he would fit in great at Tottenham to me, and would whether he'd be prepared to be a squad player who came off the bench and played in cups but he was available um everybody knows they could have got jack Grealish really cheap and tried to undercut villa massively and it blew up in their face when they undercut villa villa he... like jack Grealish's undercut his hair <laughs> isn't he betting on being able to produce his own players like that though from the academy mm, because they're they're playing to his strategy he's got them under his wing so they're coming through i mean kudu didn't cut it he missed that a big chance that he's really have scored from the free kick against palace but you've got 
players that are coming through who aren't quite ready yet, but if you buy a player now for big money, you've got to play them, and straight away you're pushing the younger ones further away, and that's exactly what the problem is with other clubs, so then you lose those talents. Like Skips in the first team has played a few games, and I think he's done quite well. Mm. But he would never have had a chance if they'd signed a midfielder like Tielemans, because then he would be ahead of him in the pecking order. So when there are injuries suddenly he doesn't get that chance to get in the first team to then become a first team player. But you want him to buy players to have as the squad depth to what? Go for the Carabao and FA Cup, which is what, <laughs> six million? I think it's going to cost more to win the prize. You know, I mean, to win the prize is six million. It's going to cost a hell of a lot more to, to bring in these all these great players. And as long as they do well enough in the Champions League and keep building on the first team and, and having, you know, slowly, slowly, then mm. I think that's more important. That sort of thinking didn't work out very well for Arsenal, did it? In the long run, that's my fear. For no, Spurs, I mean I, we, it, we went, it all gets a bit bloodless. We went and we saw Pochettino uh, on Friday, so after they'd been beaten by Chelsea, and he gave a very good defence of of the not winning trophies, and he brought up the Arsenal comparison. Um, but we did say to him, the problem you've got is that all the Arsenal players lost faith in that project. Mm-hmm. Fabregas, Van Persie, Thierry Henry. Colo Torre, Adebayor, they all lost faith in it and left. Now, whether winning the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup uh, would convince a player not to lose faith, I don't know. But Harry Kane, in every single interview at the moment, talks about now's the time to win trophies. He's done, every, he's done everything personally. He's won the golden boots. He's done everything he can in his personal career. So he, he wants to win trophies. It might buy you another year of Harry Kane if he had an FA Cup winner's medal. Yeah. Because he would think, okay, I've got one medal, now I'll try for the next medal here. If I don't get it next season, then I might go. At some point, it could impact on on trying to keep players and make them sign I think a good comparison to that is Alan Shearer, because when the time he went to Newcastle, he'd already won the league at Blackburn, Mm. so he'd already got that big achievement and was there was a clear project in Newcastle he wanted to go to. So it it made sense for him not to go to Man U at the time because he could clearly push and he'd already won the title. But that's a big problem they've got now is um, to get over that line is not just the quality of player, it's the mentality. So Mm. no one at that club has ever really won anything that's there. So if the staff don't have any history of... I mean, it must be things that unwritten things, things you can't quantify or qualify what what it is in the the atmosphere of the club. But if you have players that come in who have already won stuff, they create the... um, the mentality, the culture of the club, that that's what the standard is. You've had that at clubs like, you know, Bayern and Man United to keep the players in, so it manifests itself through different generations of players. No, I do think no. they should buy big <laughs> players. I, I, I do think in the summer they need to go out and bring ones that will satisfy the likes of Harry Kane. And it is important that when they do, I mean, had they gone out of the Champions League if they didn't manage that that performance against Barcelona, then yes, that's when I think you'll lose the likes of Deli Ali. I do think it, it's about going... And, and buying these guys. And Arsenal did try that with our, with the likes of Mesut Ozil, but they just didn't pick well with the players that they chose. It's about sort of enhancing your first team with good players who will get you over the line in big games rather than just having squad depth for the sake of winning the Carabao Cup. A word on Palace too, please. One of a few uh, Premier League teams. You must fancy a decent run now. Lots of Premier League teams knocked out over the weekend. They generally look like they've figured it out, Palace, at this point. I thought they defended very well at 2-0 up. Um, Spurs just had no way through those two banks before. What's changed for Palace? Ironic beforehand, though, that Roy basically said the FA Cup doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, he gave an interview just before the game saying it doesn't really matter. And then they go and, you know, have a, a, a great performance and they kind of get the whole momentum going again. It's mind uh, games, classic managerial, relieving the pressure of his yeah, players. yeah. 
They've got players coming back. I mean, Benteke's coming back. Lots of people take take the mickey out of him, but he, he offers them a focal point. Zaha's an interesting one at the moment, isn't he? He's still playing well, mm-hmm. but he's not scoring or not assisting. Yeah. There's, there's no... His end product's disappeared all of a sudden, which he seems to be lacking a little bit of confidence or something. Ever since he started getting... Do you think he's lacking everything confidence? Everything kicked out of him. Yeah, well, it may be, because he, he doesn't like being kicked at all, and he was moaning about that, and he keeps getting bad, bad fouls on him, and he disappears from the game as soon as it happens. He kind of disappears a wee bit. He's still really high up on all stats for dribbling and taking on players, things like that. But this seems to be not for the betterment of the team. It's better for to him at the moment. He's still their best player by miles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly. By miles. Some electric shocks elsewhere in the FA Cup this weekend. You might possibly have foreseen Wimbledon turning over West Ham, although Wimbledon are having a pretty terrible year in League One. But the result here was the really surprising thing to me. You tend to think of FA Cup shocks as... One team getting a small lead and then and sitting on it, but they thrashed West Ham. How do you how do you explain West Ham conceding four goals against Wimbledon? Well, I think it's the, the classic. Um, it's the smaller team that kind of up and at him attitude, up and at them, uh, going right for them from the very start. Uh, they pressed them quite high up the pitch, but they just wanted it. They were really uh, they wanted it more, Clive. That it was it's as basic as that. West Ham. They played a 4-4-2, I think. He likes doing that, uh, Pellegrini. And um, they got beaten in midfield. So West Ham always... Uh, sorry, Wimbledon always had an extra player in, in that midfield area. And because they're pushing them so high and going for every ball there, uh, anyone who had the ball in possession was caught on it and didn't have an option to pass away. And then they just conceded loads of goals. <laughs> West Ham have that weird thing where they can either be really good or yeah. really awful. And you're just like, what just happened there? Um, and and it's true. It's it's the fact that they played with such courage. They they sort of knew that if they really went for it, perhaps they can really scare them. I thought that you know, and they made loads of mistakes. Obi Obiang in in mm. midfield. Obviously, I thought the goalkeeper wasn't very good. Adrian, mm. yeah, Adrian. I don't know who. So you're you're in charge of this pronunciations. Is he European or is he just a it's regular? Adrian. It's Adrian. Do <laughs> <laughs> the bigger clubs underestimate small teams anymore? Surely all that mega scouting and preparation that goes in doesn't just stop because it's I the think FA they Cup. did underestimate them and disrespect them. I don't. I hope I'm not wrong in this, but I, I suddenly doubted myself as I was thinking it while you're talking. But he left Declan Rice out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. Why would you leave Declan Rice out for that game? Declan Rice is the perfect player to play in that game. doesn't look like he needs a rest. They're not in loads of competitions. He is the perfect player to have to have in that game. Um, and it just strikes me as a, a slight arrogance to to change. And you're not changing. He's also not changing to bring in kids no, either. Come on, honestly. No. Or you're playing a team that's like barely making it in League One. Yeah, they look like they're going to Yeah, but it's all about that's the game. Where, I would have benched, honestly, all my players. But, that, but it's the game where you're looking for attitudes, aren't you? I get, I get the the squad rotation, but that is the exact kind of game and the exact kind of trip where, as much as you're looking at who needs rests and who's better in this position or who should come in this position, you're looking at attitudes. And yeah, if you're going to make the changes, you need the, the guys with the attitudes to come in. But that's what Pellegrini should look at about why the squad isn't, you know, the ones who are trying to get into the first team, why they didn't do more mm. to try to prove themselves. I don't think it's a question of let me play my first team. I think it's a case of. Why is there no motivation for the other players to come in and try to do a performance in a match or, or in a starting appearance? It shouldn't. We shouldn't have to rely on on Mark Noble or Declan Rice or all these players to come in and Felipe Anderson. It's Wimbledon, and I would have probably honestly played eleven of of like you know my bench players, but expect them them to perform to a level in which I might consider playing them in a big in a bigger match. 
Yeah, audition failed there. Meanwhile, down in South London's trendy Bermondsey, <laughs> uh, Millwall turning over Everton, pulsating cup tie. You were there, Matt. How was, was. your Millwall experience? Uh, it was FA Cup Magic Millwall style. <laughs> it really was. I, lo- I love going to the den. I think it's really unlike any experience you can have. I love the in fact football that, watching in this country. I love the fact that when you come off that train at South Bermondsey, there's what they call Coward's Way, where the visiting fans can just take an immediate right and get there with no well, problem. You're forced to if you're a visiting fan. You're shuttled into that. Uh, yeah, kind into of... Coward's Way, mm. or or you go for it. It's uh, it's, it's actually an, called Coward's Way. They call it Coward's Way oh, locally. Right. Yeah, we I wouldn't recommend going for it. <laughs> I think you're better off just getting to your seat. And, uh... It terrifies me. I'm it's an eye-opening. It terrifies, it clearly terrifies Premier League clubs because their record, that's five, five of their last FA Cup home ties against Premier League opposition they've won. I mean, it terrifies teams, mm. it terrifies players, and you, you can see why. I mean, there's always, unfortunately, there's always violence before the game, there's always violence after the game, there's always a pitch invasion. There's always part of the celebration seems to be the police having to line up in front of the visiting fans on the on the pitch. The club's desperate to get rid of that um, association as well. They've done so much to try and get rid of that. Why it's working for them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, they do so much at one level, and then well, the corporate level certainly. Like, yeah. So I mean, the, the the charity stuff. I know. I was, I was speaking to. Uh, I can't remember who it was, not the chairman, but someone just below him a couple a few years ago, and they were talking about how they were desperate to get rid of that association. They won an award a couple of years ago for, for kind of fan experiences and, and trying mm. to change. I'm told in the league that it is a lot better, but the FA Cup, when, they, when it comes around and when the TV cameras are there, it, it brings out the idiots. But what I would say, let's, let's park that for a minute, because they showed brilliant desire mm-hmm. the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic they rattled top uh, Everton should I say and what I would there was a bit of kind of um, classes maybe a bit a bit strong but there's a bit of quality about them I mean their set piece deliveries Ferguson in particular his delivery is absolutely sensational from every single set piece and they got their tactics spot on yeah mm-hmm. um so, you know, he's doing a really good job, Neil Harris. That's what I thought. I thought they'd done their homework really well. They had three players, you know, um, always ahead in the, in the set pieces. So they always had a leg up and they knew that Everton were obviously bad at that. Mm. Um, I, I thought they were tremendous in everything. I just wish there was VAR. I thought the football was absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an awful game to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it wasn't like the highest. <laughs> Loads of fun, though. Yeah. Did you not enjoy it? Are you not entertained? Honestly, I thought it was awful to watch. I thought it was a horrible game. Um, I, mean, standard I enjoyed that the most out of all No, I thought standard was so, so poor. What did you prefer, watching um, Millwall-Everton? Yeah. Or did you watch Chelsea-Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, no, I did not, no. Boringest game ever. Yeah, that was the most boring, boring game ever. But I'm yeah. sure that, you know, technically it's better... Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's that. Like, I like that... Um, it's not, not to do with a beautiful game or anything. I just thought it was so dull. It was so... I don't get that. I just don't get that. The Millwall one. I get that it wasn't technically very good. There were like like four minute spells where where both teams scored, and then there was that thing at the end. Because there was nothing happened, yeah, I see and then that there was actually. a goal, was then a, a goal, of, then nothing. True. There were some moments. Where I mean, I'll like... admit that I, you get carried away in it more when you're there and the atmosphere is totally. strong and everything. So I can't judge it from a and the scoreline's great, yeah. And but the, it the just it didn't feel funny. at all, though. 
Not one for the purists, I think it's fair to say. Let's talk about the VAR, Mina. There were replays up on the big screen, which is something that doesn't seem to happen very often. Uh, but the ref couldn't overturn it after the handball. It's a bit of a farce, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of what happened at the World Cup 2006 final, no? <laughs> um, when it was so clear at the time that he had seen a replay. But... Um, yeah, this is what I think. If you're going to have VAR, then you should have it. And I know everyone's whining about this, so I don't want to just be another person who criticizes it. But it's sort of true. Like, either don't have it at all or have it everywhere. And I think, I think it's the case that they can only have it in the Premier League. Yeah, that's, at the that's Maybe mad. anyone's set up for it. Is that, that's right. Though, yeah, that's it? right. And that's that is crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. you can see it on a big screen. Yeah. <laughs> they've got it there already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then one of them's like, get it off. And the other one's yeah. like, you can clearly see yeah. it. But it, was it, so... it defies common sense, like why you wouldn't use current technologies. Like the ref going, well, you can file a complaint via letter. So, do you not mean email? What the hell's an email? <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Like, if you're going to have the FA Cup and you want to play in the FA Cup, then you should you should really have it across all. Um, controversially, I think the goal's fine <laughs> as a handball. Do I don't. You? I don't think he does it. I think his, his arms are there because arms on a human are beside their body, and because <laughs> the ball comes in, uh, it, he's just there and it comes off him. There's nothing he can do about it. I don't think he moves it. Kevin Kilbane on commentary kept going like, "Oh, he's moved his he's moved his arm there. He's moved his arm." I've watched it. About, same amount of times as he did on replays, and I see a totally different thing to him. Wow. Yeah. There you go, not a clear and I think you should error. write to him on the, by a letter. Oh, by a letter, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kevin Kilban at BBC Road. Uh, <laughs> what about Everton? What do we make of them, Matt? They spent a lot of money. Calvert-Lewin yes. uh, is, is the striker who's, who's not having a great time of it. Uh, I know he's a, no, he's a like podcast favourite. usually liked him. He was very poor. I think I gave him a four in my match ratings. It's anonymous. Um, it's medium, isn't it? It's all gone. It's, it's strange because it started off very positively, I thought, for them this season. And you could sort of see where they were heading, what he was trying to do. I thought, I didn't think they'd have an amazing season, but I thought they'd have a positive season. And it is in danger of, um, of turning quite negative there again. They've lost their way. Um, I mean, the, the midfield seems to be. If Gomez, Gomez quite started that game quite well, and then someone from Millwall just went through him and. He disappeared, and that mm-hmm. was it for their whole midfield. Um, <laughs> and you'd think, I mean, traditionally as well, I always think of Everton as being a team good on set pieces. I don't know why. I just think that is probably wrong. <laughs> and you look at the defenders they have, and they would look like defenders who should be able to defend set pieces. You know, Kurt Zuma is a bit of a header and a kicker. Yeah. And Yerry Mean is massive. And and yet they concede from not just in that game they concede stupid amount of goals from from set pieces. Pickford's lost his head as well. Pickford was all over the shop in that game. Yeah. I mean, if the, when he did get the ball, he was hoofing it up far too quickly and it was just going out of play, and that was creating sort of panic. And he was reminding you know Joe Hart when he would, would yeah. get all panicked and too kind of tub thumpy. Pickford's gone a little bit like that lately. You know how coaches always sort of train you defensively and make sure that all your defensive routines are are known and tested and tried and everyone understands it and then sort of lets the forward line just do what they like. This is, I don't know, this is how it is in, in Italy. Um, I, I just feel on this occasion, Silva's gone like, right, this is what the forward line is going to do and then you guys just figure it out, you know. Pickford's there and if there's a set piece then just try to get the ball away. I, I feel like the, it's gone the other way with them. Mm, it does. And Silva, I'm still not sure about him. While... I'm not a fan. Yeah, it's now a, another time where he's he's had a good kind of start at a club, mm-hmm. and then faced with problems, 
he's not been able to solve them. When people talk, talk about the whole thing with him, people forget he did actually get Hull out of trouble and they fell back in. They, were, mm. they, they ended up further off of safety than when he took over. Yeah, and they had some horrendous results near the end to fall back into it. And it feels that the first sign of problems with Silver at his club so far is he can't problem solve and he can't get over it and get going again. And this is what's happening again. I think in context, though, I mean, in the Premier League especially, so there's an 11, 11-point 11 gap between 6th and 7th. And Everton are just three points off um, seventh, so they're they're just a good team within the middle section of the Premier League, and that's the standard of player they have. Sigurdsson's good, but he's not good enough for one of the top six. Calvert Lewin is medium. Uh, and Gay's good, but yeah. and that would be fine if Mashiri didn't keep coming out saying we're going to win the league in ten <laughs> years and we're going to keep pumping loads of money in it and we're going to mass. Because of what he's saying and the rhetoric from the club, where they are is not fine. If if they were talking more sensibly and talking more long-term and building the club slower and not spending such incredible fortunes on just better-than-average players, then it would be okay. But the problem is it's not okay because of what they're saying and what they're spending. Could do with the stadium as well, couldn't they? Perhaps instead of some of those expensive players. The Friday night game was Arsenal versus Manchester United. The Ole Gunnar Solskjaer juggernaut continues to overpower all of its traffic obstacles. Why do Manchester United <laughs> always do so well at Arsenal, Mina? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe it's... I mean, I understand why they did it this time around. But yeah, well, we'll talk about that. It's a, maybe it's a hoodoo when you just have a team that you face. Um... This was an interesting game because I keep waiting for stuff to go wrong for United and I just keep thinking I wonder in what match is going to happen because, you know, they obviously didn't go with their wingers or their preferred wingers in the Martial and Rashford and they started with Sanchez and Lukaku out. I was like, really? I wonder how this is going to happen. But it was such a tactically interesting game because it was a clear... Everyone's always talked about the fact that Sanchez and Lukaku just can't seem to to work together but it was like well, let's put Lukaku out in the wing he really settled onto that role of just providing the assists really Lingard. seems to work for him out it wide really, it's not the first time is it at Everton he was good on the wing yeah. he was good at Belgium when he played it as well there and it was like and that left spaces for because you know of Lingard and Lukaku that left spaces for Sanchez to fill in all the ones that he likes to go into and run into and where the goals were scored and when you have the option to then bring on Martial and Rashford and have Pogba who loves guys and movements up front and pace then it all just, it kind of works so well that you're thinking, how did this not happen beforehand? You know, like, how did Mourinho not clock on to any of this? And I just, I don't think Solskjaer is like a genius. I think that what he's doing is the basics really, really well. He's just looked at his team and he's like, obviously they're depressed, so let's make them happy. Secondly, they don't seem to be very good defensively, so let's attack. And remarkably, that's improved their defense. And let's put all the fast-paced, you know, fast-paced players you know on the wings if if there's no space for Sanchez and Lukaku to work together because they don't know how to fill the gaps let's move Lukaku out is just problem solving which is something that I don't think Silva does like you were saying you know it's okay let's tackle each problem and figure it out and it's working wonders for them as for Arsenal you know again they're going to go for another attacking force and their defense is just awful <laughs> what do we think is more important to Manchester United both Solskjaer and the fans Top four or FA Cup? Oh, I'd say top. Oh, I'd, mm, that's tough, isn't it? The trophy is always the thing that you can show off. And I mean, even Arsene Wenger can claim he won trophies, but you remember that Arsenal team as being mostly never very good. 
I think just that return of the good feeling. They're just riding up the league. Um, I'd imagine being top four. They could finish top three, top two. Not top two. I'm just talking in circles at the moment. They look great. Uh, that game was so much fun to watch. Like Mina saying, they've just done the very basics right. There's only so many systems and tactics in football that exist, and everyone knows them. So Solskjaer's just got the right thing going with Mike Feeling, setting up the right, the right players. They've got good players. They should be much higher than they are. Even I think the midfield. It's, it's fun to watch now. It's really yeah. like I actually like watching Man United again. Even the midfield under Mourinho, they all sort of occupied the same space and just didn't really know how to coexist. And now it's like Herrera knows to just be a little bit deeper. Matic and Pogba just know their place. It all seems to have chemistry. How long can they maintain these levels, the players? I don't know. I don't know. I. How am I meant to know that? <laughs> I imagine. Give us a time. <laughs> because of your enormous football brain. That. I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, what about if they lose to PSG? Yeah, I mean, I, what I find, what I've been thinking about the last day or so is that what if they finish fifth but win the FA Cup and Tottenham finish third and Pochettino doesn't win a trophy again? Then is Solskjaer done better? Do you give the job to Solskjaer because he's won a trophy and Pochettino hasn't still? I think you would, yeah. It's an interesting sort of way up that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, I still feel uncomfortable. Not, I'm not going to talk about the loan, don't worry. I still feel uncomfortable <laughs> with the way the players have just gone snap yep. straight into it. I mean, I, I just, because of covering Chelsea so much, I equate it to the Chelsea players who were like, and the Leicester players after they won the league, they were battered for weeks and months for like being snakes and downing tools or, under certain players, and then suddenly it's all sweetness and light under another manager. But that happens and a lot, no? It does happen a lot, but it just seems that it's United, so bit, United players are being given a bit of a free pass on it. But also, um, those, good, those good players are being played in positions that didn't suit them under Mourinho, and now they're played where they should be. It's I just get much that, better. but and clearly they were played they in want. positions they didn't like, and just like, okay, I'll toss it off now. But then, like, Rashford couldn't make the runs and do the little tricks he wanted the way he was being asked to play under Mourinho, so he couldn't possibly do it. And now he looks a different player under Solskjaer because he's got freedom to do things and he's pulling off little tricks like he's Mbappe like he, he now looks like one of the best young players in the entire world they're fun to watch though. I mean at the moment you would back them to finish top four yeah. and you would back them I would back them which I backed them at the time of the draw and was laughed at mm, I did PSG. laugh <laughs> yeah but it's all working out for you because Neymar's injured <laughs> <laughs> even the celebrations have got better for Manchester United Jesse Lingard moonwalking in studs how do you do that? Again, a question that Matt Law probably can't answer. Can't, I don't want to answer that. I refuse to answer it. He just—I don't know. He just looks like the kind. Has of he guy got studs, or has he got the other? Maybe it's Mulders. this type of yeah. You let you slide. Can the, you can you moonwalk in a stud? I don't know. That's that's your big football news assignment for today, Matt. Find yeah. out what sort of stud Jesse Lingard is wearing. There was one thing in the game that I thought was um, indicative of how Solskjaer has made a difference. So they were getting battered early on down the left by Arsenal. Um, it will be kept getting loads of space because the, the fullbacks were too far back. And within the first 10 minutes, this kept happening. And Solskjaer saw it straight away. He was up on the, was up standing on his feet and yelling things. I think Mike Feeling was next to him as well. But straight away after that, he had Ashley Young push about 5, 10 yards further up, uh, more in line with where Matic would be, which then denied all the space for Iwobi, which meant other players had to keep overlapping. And that's it just, they cut them down very quickly. to do that. I think it was game management. Very clever. Not complicated either. No, I, I really so simple, but done immediately you can see it. So he clearly sees what's going on. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. 
Let's rattle through the rest of the FA Cup now. Manchester City are taking this competition seriously. JJ, they made Burnley look like a minnow, despite being in the same division. You can't look much further than them as uh, for the winners of this competition, surely. Well, anything can happen in the magic of the cup. But yeah, it's nice that uh, <laughs> City are taking it dead seriously. That's, and the thing is, I was thinking this earlier, they might as well, they've got all these good players, these great players that they should and they can play them in rotation because they all get so much game time that it's not as if you're changing the team completely. There's uh, coherence when you change team the players in and out. And Pep's only going to be there for another year, probably. He doesn't, he just short bursts. So if his if he looks back in two years at his legacy and he thinks, maybe I shouldn't have rested players there, I could have just made them play. And then if this season he wins a treble, that'd be amazing. Do you think he's only going to be there for one more year? Well, he's got he's got two years left in his contract, doesn't he? He's got next year and then another. He signed a new one, didn't he? But I, I agree with JJ. It doesn't seem like a guy to hang around. Yeah. Where would he go? Years. Don't know. Just have another rest and then do something else after yeah. that. Have Italy, a lovely probably. gap here. Yeah. Really limp stuff from Newcastle, Matt. They haven't had a cup run for many years. Um, does Rafa save his players for the league? Is is there any point in that? Well, it's just a mess, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, the whole Newcastle thing. So I, I find really weird. Um, I mean Watford. Watford rested about seven players, didn't they? I mean, mm. when I saw that lineup, I thought, it was I, thought one of them. I thought Watford. Yeah, it was actually. It was eleven players. 11 I thought, changes. what are Watford doing? You know, Watford have a chance to go far in this competition and are absolutely fine in the league. And it, and it worked out well. It worked out exactly how Mina would have wanted if she was coach. <laughs> there we go. motivating. Now you would have were. a selection headache for Wednesday night's game against Tottenham. However, um, but they were rather. Even with their 11 changes, I mean, they weren't very good. It was yeah. just that Newcastle were that bad. Rafa's turning into peak Rafa at the moment, isn't he? With his kind of, you know, slightly boring excuses and slightly boring kind of political manoeuvring all over the place. Boring but justified in this case. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know how you were saying just uh, that you can't believe that United players were just getting a pass? It mm. brought to mind sort of Real Madrid under Rafa Benitez. And for me, it was like when he left and they brought incident in Sudan, everything changed. Right. And I wondered whether, you know, it was just they obviously really hated being under him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you saying Mike Ashley needs to go for Zinedine Zidane? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the perfect but, I mean, Rafa, Rafa's been trying to hold them. Look, I don't have any sympathy with Mike Ashley, don't get me wrong. And I, I do have sympathy with the fans at Newcastle. Yeah. But what I do get tired of, and I don't actually think it's working for him or the club, is Rafa continually trying to hold Ashley and the club to gunpoint over his future by constantly drip-feeding suggestions. If you don't give me this, don't give me this, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go. If you're going to go, just go or decide to go now and say it and stop kind of going through all of this because I just think we're, we're going to get to the end of the season and he'll sign a one-year extension and it'll all just carry on the same. <laughs> you don't think it sounds a bit... I mean, I'm probably just falling victim to it again, but it, it sounds like he might actually want beat out after this window. He doesn't get people... I just don't... I don't believe him anymore through. on it. I just think right. it, he's tried to hold them to gunpoint on it so many times and then not acted. Mm. And I do get his frustration and I do get that Ashley needs to go and they need a takeover. Um, and that's, there's money there that's just not being spent. But Benitez's approach, I don't think, is doing him or the club any favours. What about Shrewsbury? They will face Wolves again in a replay after their game on Saturday. Their player who took the corner whipped out a piece of paper <laughs> and then put in what looked like a very bog-standard corner and they scored from it. What could have been written on that piece of paper? What's your theory, Mina? 
No, I'm sorry. I just read the next question. <laughs> the manager for that game. Yes, uh, sorry. <laughs> go, well, go the manager for, for that game made the, uh, the classic dad joke of, I told him to score. <laughs> so maybe he did. Yeah, maybe it was just written on like a like motivational they, message. Yeah, what could have been said in that note? I don't know, attacking, attack the front post or like positioning for something else. It's maybe It probably wasn't, it probably wasn't positioning for the corner. I'd imagine it's defensive set up for defending set pieces. Maybe, maybe it was like the sort of Mr. Bergstrom thing, like you are, insert name of Shrewsbury player. Just, just to remind him, you know, give him a sense of himself. So know what it says, um, guess who likes you? <laughs> <laughs> what about Accrington Stanley? They went out to Frank Lampard's Derby County, as we must legally call them. Afterwards, he basically said the referee had kind of ruined his life. By the way, when I read this, I just burst out laughing. I'm sorry, I hadn't read this until obviously now. (laughs) We want more of this, though, don't we? Like, this is the sort of level of uh, fury and um, and anger we want to see after FA Cup defeats. Yes. Mm. Uh, He apologised, though, didn't he? Didn't he? Mm. So he went down slightly in my estimation for 24 hours (laughs) apologising and saying, actually... It didn't it ruin wasn't my life. just the referee's fault. It was a bit our fault too. And there were two clear yellow cards. <laughs> yeah, it was a really <laughs> strange one to get complaining <laughs> about. Couldn't even, and the thing is, Barlasser was having a really good game. He's clearly like, I'm on TV. I could uh, possibly get a wee get a game time. He's alone from Newcastle. He's, uh, he's about 22, so he's maybe missed the boat of breaking the Premier League. But he's got a good window here. And uh, he would do something amazing, like control the ball first time from a high high ball, and then ping it out to the wing. He's getting all these. Um, Stephen Madman was enjoying him. He's like, "Oh, you can play this guy." And then two seconds later, he chops in with a Sunday league tackle, and then he's sent off. So I don't know how the manager can. I didn't watch it all. I only watched um, kind of highlights and, and bits and bobs. But it looked like Atkinson played nice football. Yeah. They're an overly emotional team, you know, with an overly emotional coach and overly emotional. We shouldn't. We should be. Nina Razuki sends for Akron to I mean, that, for our profession, that's good. We should definitely be encouraging over-emotional managers and over-emotional teams. Yeah, yeah but then you the get back. performances like Alvaro Morata for Chelsea and possibly Aguayi. And this is what happens when you indulge in emotion. <laughs> Accrington throughout the game are playing out from the back from goal kicks all the way through it. I really like that they were doing it. And then um, Derby weren't really in the game at all they came in in little five minute stages little phases of play but uh, when Acton were under a bit of pressure the goalkeeper started launching it and then Derby kept coming at them and coming at them running the second ball and getting counter-attacks on them what so, I do like I mean, I mean, among, among sorry I'll learn how to talk many things <laughs> I like about Frank Lampard is the Cups Mm. So many championship managers, we talk about like managers sacking off the Cups. He's paying his, his first team in mm. the Cups and going for them. And like you were saying about a culture thing, Lampard's been in a club where winning any trophy in his generation in that Chelsea team was huge. And the Cup runs, FA Cup wins, League Cup wins were massive. Didn't matter the standard of the competition. And he seems to be, have taken that into his management. He yeah. seems to be taking them really seriously. He really values it. Whether it comes back to bite them, who knows? But it's, it's good at the moment. I do hope they get City. Like he wants. Yeah, it'd be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be really good. That's a match I actually watch. would quite like Millwall City. I'd like Pep to have to go to the den. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that'd, that'd be, funny. be cool. JJ's head will explode. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great fun. Audio Football Club, in association with Tag Heuer, the official timekeeper of the Premier League. Our timepieces are designed for those who love challenges. Don't crack under pressure is much more than just a claim. It's a state of mind. Let's have a song for Europe with Mina Rizuki. There's only one place to start, Mina. Thierry Henry sacked three months in charge at Monaco. What's going on? What now for Sesk? 
Yeah, one now for Seska. To be honest, this was, uh, I, I don't I don't know if you remember when, when you first asked me about this, but I hated the fact that it was Sherry Henry that was brought in. I'm a huge fan of Khadim for so many different reasons. Tactical flexibility, his ability to talk to players. It's just a wonderful, wonderful coach. Has he got a new job yet? Uh, he's back there. He's going to be in uh, Monaco. He's yeah. back in Monaco. <laughs> so Thierry Henry came in because obviously they wanted a name that would attract more press. That would, you know, there was one point with Hadi when there's like four people in the press conference listening to his question and answer. <laughs> and they were like, all right, Henry is a big name. Perhaps that's what they need, a former player. This guy's, you know. But it was a bad decision because this isn't a team that that needed a big name. This was a team that just needed a guy to work through the fact that they've obviously... Um, changed their scouting they've changed their strategy when it comes to buying players no longer ones that are just on the cusp of of really breaking through but rather ones that needed two or three years of development before they can make an impact and the way that he behaved was so much to me like an arrogant player you know that had just come in a star player who doesn't understand why these players aren't performing to the levels that he wants he wants them to die for them for him and yet he treats them and embarrasses them do you remember that champions league game um, I, I don't remember the Champions League game actually, but in the press conference before that, he was getting up, and next to him was the young goalkeeper Badia Shile. You liked that? Yeah, I liked it. Oh my god, that made me so angry at the time when he didn't. He tucked in his his uh, chair, but evidently not enough for you know Thierry Henry to walk past. And he made him come back and tuck it in further so that he can walk out. Why would you embarrass a kid like that, you know, in front of everyone sitting down and then be like, oh, I can't believe you guys aren't dying for me. Well, you know what? <laughs> like, And it's not a question of dying for you. It's a case of the, we obviously don't have a tactical strategy. We're obviously not good enough at this point. The team isn't, you know, balanced. Uh, there were lots of other problems there. And then his performance as well against Strasbourg, uh, Strasbourg they played. And he just started swearing at one of the players there as well. And just the way that he came across was very much like, yeah, now I'm benching some of the experienced guys there because clearly you don't know how what it means to win. And it just sort of, it just looked like he was just in a bad mood all the time, put his ego first. Do we know, genuine question, do we know whether Shardim, so he was he was obviously sacked mm. and would have been owed a big payoff. Does he still get his payoff? Did he still get his payoff? So have they paid off one guy to employ another guy to pay him off? And then bring in the same guy who they've already paid off. Well, okay, so the way it works is, well, I know the way it works in Italy. I actually don't know which idea might have to check on that. But is that you, you're still under contract and you can be recalled to your job. Oh, right, okay. Um, There's plenty of money about in Monaco anyway. I think, uh, I think they'll be I all I think right. that's the reason why they're probably in 19th is because they're not spending money and they're just sending off all their best. They've spent some money though, haven't they? They are they're spending mean, they spend money. they spent like 30 million on Golovin in, in the summer. Yeah, they bought in Naldo now and they bought in Seis Fabregas on extreme amounts of money, to be honest. Um, so now they are spending money. But the whole point was to change. They, they were changing their strategy to go for even younger players and it hasn't worked out for them. And now they're just having to overspend. Now they'll go for George Mendes players. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal linked with a move for Ivan Perisic. How's he been this season, Mina? And do, do we think he'd be a good signing for Arsenal? Would he suit Emery? Obviously, he's a very talented winger, and we all saw his performances in, for Croatia. He was clearly man of the match on most occasions. When he when he's in the mood, he can be the very best. The only problem I have with Perisic is that he's not always in the mood, and this year he's been nothing short of terrible. Um, and I have absolutely no understanding why Luciano Spalletti at Inter continue to play him despite those really dismal performances. Really dismal. I mean, you saw some of them in the Champions League, and you're like, okay, it's time to bench this guy so that he 
understands that you know he's not going to get a starting position. And eventually he did get benched, but uh, they lost to Torino over the weekend because Perisic did hand in a transfer request and Spalletti had to change the formation because he didn't you know, have him, basically, or enough wingers available. So they changed to a 3-5-2 and eventually lost the game. For me, it's like you guys are missing defensive reinforcements. That's where you should be focused on. He's another guy that you're going to pay a lot of money to who doesn't, who offers a lot of talent, but not necessarily consistency. I'm, I haven't seen that this season. It could just be a World Cup hangover, but I think it says a lot. Can you explain Kevin Prince Boateng to Barcelona before yeah, we leave Europe? Yeah, everyone keeps asking this question. More impossible questions from Tom Gibbs. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for me, I don't see it as being such a terrible thing to go. I mean, he's eight million. He's had a really great season at Sassuolo. I'm really, I'm really amazed that they did the thing where they opened up the stadium and got him to come onto the pitch. Yeah, that I'm that? amazed There's at. Like, not it's many like, people are in the new camp to see Kevin Prince him. Boateng unveiled. <laughs> But for him, this is like every possible dream come true. They obviously want a squad player, squad depth. You know, he's cheap. When he wants to, he can be really fantastic as a player. We've seen that, you know. Again, consistency is an issue, but he's going to play, what, a few minutes here and there. He's cheap and he will do everything for the club, anything to be given a chance to play with the likes of Suarez and Messi. He's on loan, right? He's on. Yeah, loan to buy. Right, loan. Yeah, it's weird. Why would Sassuolo just let him go? It's like, oh, it's Barcelona. You should go. That's cool. It's eight minutes. Well, it's a lot for them. Oh, okay. And also because uh, he actually was terrific. He's been terrific for them this season, to be yeah. honest. So they're going to really lose out on him. Is it? I think actually, no, they fell on board him. Yeah, yeah it, it is permanent. It's permanent. Deal. Eight million, I think. Quick word on the transfer window, which shuts on Thursday. Are we expecting much business between now and then, Matt? There will be a lot of business. Not There will be. Maybe half a percent of it will be good business. Maybe <laughs> um, half. <laughs> lucky if half a percent of it's good business. It'll what, be a lot. What will we be talking about on Friday morning? What will be the biggest deal on on deadline? Probably Hudson Odoi to Bayern Munich. I think will be the most eye catch one. Even though it's kind of been signalled for a while, I expect Chelsea to stretch it out to the last possible moment, just to annoy Bayern Munich and just to annoy Hudson Odoi a bit. Um, but that will, I think, create the most headlines. I don't. Chelsea could try and bring in a midfielder. I mean, they've been looking and umming and ahhing for a while, but backed off things, trying to... I think the club would rather Sari try to use the squad until the end of the season and then look again at the end of the season. Um, I don't see any of the so-called Tottenham are looking around, but I just don't see a deal out there for them. So I think, as usual, most of the business will be done by the strugglers. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not been a great window. Not a classic. It never is, to be honest with you. These the January window is particularly bad in the last few years. I, most clubs have now clocked on to the fact that if you can get by without doing, you're, you're generally better. I think Bournemouth have done good business, actually. That's always the way that it's been looked at, right? Like, as in, you know, you do all your good business, and if you didn't do good business in some of this, when you corrected, yeah. Um, Aubameyang though was a good yeah. sort of yeah. Uh, oh no, there are definitely exceptions out there of, of yeah of players of deals that have been good but if you were to take I'd love I can't be bothered to do it myself but I would love someone to go through season by season of all the January transfers and and work out you know how JJ? they did and where they're valued for money. We doing this afternoon, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, hopefully not that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just checked on Kevin Finn's voting. It is a loon. Oh, there's an option to make it permanent at the end. Good work, of the JJ. I see. Well done, JJ. Thanks. <laughs> Finally, Billy Sharp paid tribute to Mick Foley's Mr. Socko, as I'm sure you're all familiar. 
uh, with, with the character and the I'm not. wrestling story behind it. So Mick Foley, very famous wrestler, uh, competed in the WWE uh, under three names, Mankind, Cactus Jack and Dude Love. I think it was his I Mankind character. I think I've heard of Mankind. Mm. He would bring out a sock and use it to assault his uh, opponent. And it was Mr. Socko. And Billy Sharp brought him out and, and feigned an assault on his teammate after scoring at the weekend. There you go. Misspent youth watching wrestling. Which other wrestlers would you like to see honoured in what remains of the season? JJ Bull. Well, I don't know how he'd honour a particular wrestler, but what I think they should do, especially in the Premier League, is, is borrow from some of the way they present WWE matches. So, for instance, in the 66th minute, the lights go down, flames come up, and you hear a crash bottle... Hopefully Joel can play some music underneath this. Then da na da na na na. It's Joel Amiobi on as a sub. And that'll be it. Great. Good. Mina, substitution's exciting. Higher production values. Yeah, I know. I was trying to think of... Um... Mina's Googling. Oh, dear. Am I Googling? Uh, no, I did have it down. See, this is it. It was um, Kurt McHenry, because I didn't know his name. Uh, and he used to go around and make it rain. Oh, and I just think that if Mesut Ozil scores for Arsenal, he should just walk around and just do that because of how much he gets paid. Interesting <laughs> you say that's quite like wrestling, that they all have individual finishing moves and now footballers will have their own individual I was going to say, moves. it's not when you said about the fireworks. Well, so many clubs at the start of the games do the fireworks. It's not that much different. Mm. Jake the Snake Roberts used to make a snake bite people, didn't he? <laughs> just have a bit of that. <laughs> any, any the Undertaker used to put people in coffins. Yeah. Would do that. Yeah, sure. We can't think of anything that are appropriate, to be no, honest. No, but who, who's going to do this, though? You have to find somebody on the I don't know. I'm, I, all, all it made me do was think of being a kid watching WWF, as it was at the time. Mm. And But I can't really think of any transferable skills. The British Bulldog? Not a great podcast for you for answering questions, Matt. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> I have failed this podcast. Are we, if we contestants, have I lost? <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid so. <laughs> That's your lot for this week. You can contact me on Twitter in the meantime if you need to urgently. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs. You can also send us an email. Please do. We will 100% read it. We'll read it out if we really like it on the show. It's afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club if you haven't already. Look for Audio Football Club. Put it somewhere where you might get podcasts. You can take it from there. Absolutely backing you on that. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons. And thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.